The following presentation is brought to you by The Realm Network. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Hello, Bob here with this week's Bubble Genius Showcase Item of the Week. There's no better way to troll your Trump supporter friends than by picking up Bubble Genius's own tiny orange hand soap set. Give yourself a hand or take two. They're small, tiny in fact, teeny tiny. They're orange, of course, and smells appropriately of circus peanuts in honor of the GOP's clown dictator. Am I right, folks? Only $12 at BubbleGenius.com, but if you use our promo code Bob and Chez at checkout, you'll get an additional 15% off only at BubbleGenius.com. And now let the cartoons begin. Says who? Broadcasting from Resistance Headquarters. Relentlessly fighting back against the clown dictator and his regime of deplorables. Never give up, never surrender. This is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com, with Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza. It's so hard nowadays with all the gangs and rap music. What about robots? Oh, they're everywhere. I don't even know why the scientists make them. Old Glory covers anyone over the age of 50 against robot attack, regardless of current health. I'm Sam Waterston of the popular TV series Law & Order. As a senior citizen, you're probably aware of the threat robots pose. Robots are everywhere, and they eat old people's medicine for fuel. Well, now there's a company that offers coverage against the unfortunate event of a robot attack. Old Glory Insurance. You need to feel safe. And that's harder and harder to do nowadays because robots may strike at any time. And when they grab you with those metal claws, you can't break free because they're made of metal and robots are strong. Now, for only $4 a month, you can achieve peace of mind in a world full of crime and robots with Old Glory Insurance for when the metal ones decide to come for you. And they will. The best music on the best station. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Says who? It is uh, Tuesday, February 21, 2017, and this is the Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. I am Bob Seska, and that is Chez Pazienza sitting right over there. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hmm? Says who? We are brought to you by BubbleGenius.com, the best soap in the world. Says who? I do. Michael Cohen joining us today, obviously. Also brought to you by the Bowen Law Group and attorney Charles J. Bowen. If you want free legal advice, go to thebowenlawgroup.com slash Bob and Chez or just click the link on the podcast page. Okay, uh, plenty to talk about today. Lots to talk about. Thanks for joining us on our Tuesday show. Um, I don't even know where to start. I never know where to start with this crap. So let's uh, let's start with some polls, huh? What do you think? I think it's Sure, why not? Uh, remember last week how Donald Trump was talking about, this is awesome, uh, how uh, uh, the Rasmussen poll shows him through the roof, he said. We're through. <laughs> Our polling is through the roof, according to Rasmussen. That one pollster. Well, uh, as of today, that no longer applies because Rasmussen has Donald Trump at 50-50. A tie. A tie between wow. right. <laughs> approval, disapproval. So much winning. <laughs> I'm not yet bored with this kind of winning. And uh, Gallup has him down 12, 12 points, 41, 53. 
uh, Economist YouGov, 4649. This is all really bad. This is stuff that normally these poll numbers are normally what a president would have, you know, two years in. And he's one month in. We're officially one month into the the Donald Trump crisis. <sighs> yep. So the uh, the cavalcade of awfulness continues on here, on and on and on. And again, it was uh, three or four days in which it was nearly impossible to keep up with everything. Uh, so Mike Flynn is out. And what yesterday we have we basically get a new a uh, a new national security advisor, Lieutenant General H R McMaster. I you know I swear to God Donald Trump makes these decisions based on the names. He does. <laughs> no, we absolutely. I was I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, he he likes being able to say Mad Dog Madison. There's Mad. something about H R McMaster that just sounds <laughs> sounds no. powerful. Sounds badass. He likes it. I have just chosen Lieutenant General H R McMaster. He's got this, I'm working on the Donald Trump voice. Just want to let you know. I'm always trying to improve the Donald Trump voice. And he's got two modes. He's got the thousands and thousands. That voice, that Donald Trump voice, where he likes to say thousands. China. And then he's got the, he's got the little voice. He's got General McMaster. China. You know, the polls. Rasmussen. Through the roof. <laughs> Very distinctive. Um, but I guess this new uh, national security advisor is actually not... Terrible. I, I've I've heard some good things about Lieutenant General H.R. McMaster. Uh, Barry McCaffrey was on MSNBC last night. You might remember Barry McCaffrey from the George W. Bush days. He was one of the generals who came out against the war as things went badly. Uh, McCaffrey called McMaster an intellectual. That was good to hear. An intellectual inside the White House. That's what do you know? And uh, unlike that's not going to (laughs) fly. Right. And unlike Flynn, he doesn't tolerate uh, foolish ideas. Hmm. That's that's what I hear. But the question I think is and and this isn't necessarily the question of the hour. This is a, a, a fairly appropriate question, which is how many times does Donald Trump get to fuck things up and then get a do over? Right. I guess we're in that new paradigm where. You can be a dick. You can be Donald Trump. I mean, obviously, we've been talking about this for a long, long time. There are different sets of rules. And with Donald Trump, Donald Trump apparently can just fuck up repeatedly, and it just doesn't matter to anybody who supported him. Doesn't oh, matter no, to they don't, they don't. His supporters don't care one bit. His supporters worship him, and he keeps doing it though, one time after another. And this time though, it's starting to get serious. Where you're appointing people, and they're be either stepping down, people are being fired, people are quitting. Uh, people are being uh, uh, rejected, but right. I mean, how really? How many do-overs does Donald Trump get with important roles like National Security Advisor, uh, National Security Council, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Cabinet-level mm-hmm. positions. Evidently, uh, Kellyanne Conway is teasing the idea of a bunch of recess appointments. He's not facing a Democratic Congress; he's facing a Republican Congress. Yeah, and it doesn't seem to matter because he's still blaming the Democrats for holding up all of his nominees, which is just a lie, which is just nonsense. Yeah, but I mean, again, at this point, yeah, just everything. If Donald Trump tells you the time of day, you should get a second opinion. Right. I mean, the man, the man just just lies as a matter of cause. I finally uh, compiled that list of quotes, by the way. Uh, I saw that. <laughs> Donald Trump saying nobody does. Nobody has more respect for that. blah, blah, blah. 
uh, than uh, than Donald Trump does, and it's always a tell as to the fact that he's lying. Like he said, like for example, in April of 2016, he said nobody knows the system better than I do, right. which is of course a lie. We know that he doesn't. He didn't know that the CBC yeah. stands for the Congressional Black Caucus. Right. Nobody's nobody's read the Bible. That's my favorite. Nobody's <laughs> read the Bible more than me. <laughs> right? Really. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Like, like you said, there are biblical scholars who spend their entire lives revolve around reading the Bible, <laughs> and yet Donald Trump has read the Bible more than them. That's exactly right. Uh, one month ago, uh, one year ago, this month, nobody reads the Bible more than me. God, he just, he just, it's just <laughs> everything is a boast and ex- an exaggeration and a lie. And just what a fucking. Uh, and you know, I cannot believe that we have to deal with him. I completely forgot about this one. There is nobody who understands the horror of nuclear more than me. Yeah, <laughs> this is nobody. The horror of nuclear. He once said this was June of 2016. Right. There's nobody. This one was curious. There's nobody bigger or better at the military than I am. That was June of 2015. That was shortly after he uh, announced his candidacy. There's nobody bigger or better at the military than I am. How does one become bigger at the military? Whatever. <laughs> this is good. This is bigger, because again, bigger because at again, the military. Because again, everything is everything is a a just the the most ridiculous, yeah. most hyperbolic boast you can imagine. Exactly. So whatever, it's the kind of thing that just makes you shake your head and go, "This is." Ugh. And yet, you know, I mean, and we sit here and the most depressing thing about it is that it's it's propelled this fucking monkey into the presidency. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, because people buy that crap. One of the reasons why I played the robot insurance sketch at the top of the show today, because this crap, people are eating this crap up. There was this um, I don't have the audio of it, but there was an interview yesterday, I think on CNN with a Trump supporter who was at the uh, at the rally in Florida over the weekend. And she's just like, he's not doing anything wrong. I don't understand. He's not do- saying anything crazy. I mean, she literally sat there on national television and said, Donald Trump isn't doing or saying anything crazy. Right. And then the anchors got to go, well, there's this. And they got to <laughs> basically recap the entire tennis ball machine. Well, there's the, uh, uh, yeah, he said the thing about the leaks are real, but the news reporting is fake. There's another tennis ball. And then, oh, he said the thing about Obamacare, there's that. And then he said the thing about Russia, and then there's that. And there's, she's got to go through the whole list. And, yep. and, and the Trump supporters, like, again, the story isn't getting through to the Trump supporters, no, obviously. And in, insofar as it might be, they're just writing it off as as fake news. But I mean, just thinking of Donald Trump quotes from the past uh, was something I've been doing quite heavily over the last uh, a couple of days, especially in the context of Milo Yiannopoulos. Or is it y- Yiannopoulos? Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo Yiannopoulos. Milo Yiannopoulos, uh, who is uh, somebody I managed to spend a very, very good portion of recent history never mentioning whose name i never mentioned <laughs> right right well we've talked about milo on the show a few times and for obvious reasons the guy i mean i don't want to get into his greatest hits because we all know his greatest hits all the terrible things he said yeah which are all designed to do one thing and one thing only which is to get attention yep. and you know bring more people into his little fold and make himself famous yeah. milo has the big myth about milo is that he has some kind of underlying belief system or actual opinions no. he doesn't no. all, all, you know only he's he is literally just a troll yes. you know and an internet troll that's, that's all exactly that's right. all he is it's all he wants to be he is a provocateur in fact he called himself a troll on bill Maher. 
bar Friday night. Sure. Yeah. Um, so as you know, uh, Milo is now in big trouble. He has uh, lost his book deal. <laughs> he, I guess we should play some sad music for Milo. Oh, poor Milo. Milo Yiannopoulos lost his book deal. His Simon & Schuster book deal canceled. He's no longer delivering the keynote address at CPAC. Canceled. Yeah. You know, which, he needs to, which, you know who book? he needs to call, Chess. He needs to get a hold of uh, our friend Drew Netterpel. Maybe get himself... <laughs> Bring his book over to Sterling and Ross Publisher and find publishers like Drew Netterpro. Um, no, <laughs> this no, goes no, right no. past it, that. It's um, here's the thing: the CPAC thing is no big deal yeah. because he's going to be able to spin that hugely. He's going to be able to spin that again as like the older guard of the Republicans yeah. just don't understand the alt right. They don't understand, you know, these uh, uh, they don't understand the Pepe the Frog kids that <laughs> right. represent that that represent the new guard. Um, so that, you know, that he'll be able to spend the book deal thing. I mean, the question is whether they take their, whether Simon and Schuster asked for their 25, uh, $250,000 back. If they do that, that hurts. If mm-hmm. not, you know, I mean, it does, I think that does still suck no matter how much he may, uh, pretend that it doesn't because obviously having a book would have been a really big deal for him. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and the other thing that's happening with him is that, uh, you know, there is word. I don't know how truthful a lot of this stuff is, but uh, there's word that there's, you know, threats of a walkout at Breitbart. Yeah, I heard that. If yeah. they keep him on, which, by the way, apparently people at, who work for Breitbart have standards. I was not aware of <laughs> yeah, this. Yeah, they draw the line at pedophilia, uh, evidently. Yeah, that's like every other thing that they do there, those, you know, those fucking cretins do at fucking yeah. Breitbart to pollute the uh, pollute the discourse and, uh-huh. and basically destroy America. No, nah, but you know what? Pedophilia, that's, that's where <laughs> right. we draw. The gay I mean, guy talking about pedophilia. Exactly. Right? Everything's okay, but when you get into fucking children, that's bad. We yeah, can't, that's that's can't where the line's drawn. <laughs> but everything else... Everything else is perfectly acceptable, but fucking kids is bad. Yeah, uh, we, won't, we won't have fucking kids on our watch. Um, <laughs> and I and I look at something like this, and I'm like, don't be so sure. You know, a lot of people are talking about you know how his career is in a tailspin and that kind of thing. Just don't be so sure, because one oh, thing no. about Milo being the troll that he is is that he's been able to milk every setback, every supposed setback, as you know, to garner sort of more popularity for himself. But eventually, he will. You know, if he loses enough. Um, sort of main, I don't say mainstream, but if he loses enough sort of mainstream attention, he will, and this can do it, you know, talking about uh, kid f***ing, um, you know, this could be the thing that costs him like, you know, costs him uh, future interviews of the Bill Maher, uh, yeah. you know, Bill Maher level. Well, yeah, I mean, his career in the mainstream might be over and it's crazy because Friday night I'm sitting there going, wow, this guy, this guy's going to take off and not in, in good ways, not, not in, I'm not saying he's necessarily positive in any, any way, shape or form, but you know what? Milo is like, the, he seemed like the devil to me. He was like, if, if the devil is going to appear on the face of the earth, if there actually was a devil and he could manifest himself on the planet as someone probably be milo probably in the form of milo and maybe milo would take that as a compliment it's not meant as a compliment he is a twisted evil man packaged in a flamboyantly gay uh uh uh, shrink wrap 
And you know what's interesting about him is that the flamboyantly gay thing, from from what I've seen, is kind of a relatively new thing. Yeah. Because for a good long time, my, Milo never denied that he was gay, never denied that you know he was outspoken about it. But he wasn't the guy who wore pearls on national television. <laughs> right. Right. You know, he was the guy he wore. He was known for like the aviator sunglasses, but for the most part, he was a conservative. He had the suit and tie. He was a little more dapper than most conservatives. Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, he was. I think he was what the British. Would call a fop right oh yeah yeah that's exactly what he is he's very much like that yeah and and by uh, the but way now now he's playing it up and i think that goes more toward the everything about him is a fucking fraud yeah yeah well and going back to what you were saying before i really think someone like milo endures because what have we seen what's the trend now it's not about national worldwide acceptance you don't need that anymore all you need is your narrow casting all you need is your cult following and you'll do just fine with that certainly you only need to appeal to the people who love you already it what the people outside of that doesn't matter we can just just troll them but 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 everyone else as long as you've got your core group of supporters nothing else matters but there's no denying. There is no denying. I mean, you take one look at Milo and you take a look at his fucking <laughs> shtick. <laughs> yeah. And there's no denying that he wants to be huge. Oh, he yeah. wants to be famous. Right, right. That's that's that that is the idea behind everything he does. All of this. Do you know you really think he gave a crap about Gamergate? Gamergate? <laughs> yeah. You think he really <laughs> wanted to be an idol to a bunch of, you know, uh, the 17 year olds in their mom's basement as i think they they themselves will probably proclaim yeah you know of course not it's just but a stepping stone to, exactly to what else exactly he to, do, to make yeah. himself you know to make himself huge and certainly being shunned by uh by a certain amount of legitimacy it's got to sting a little bit first right. of all i think i think he did like apologize or he did say that you know he worded something wrong with which by the way obviously i think the first time i've ever heard milo have to take a step back oh yeah yeah well he said i don't support pedophilia even right. though the quotes show otherwise he exactly. said he's not a racist even though he's got numerous quotes showing otherwise i mean here's the quote he said in the homosexual world particularly some of those relationships between younger boys and older men the sort of coming of age relationship those relationships in which these older men help those young boys discover who they are and give them security and safety and provide them with love and a reliable sort of rock where they can't speak to uh, they can't speak to their parents um and then the interviewer says it sounds like molestation to me (laughs) it sounds like catholic priest molestation to me and he said but you know what i'm grateful for father michael i wouldn't give nearly such good if it wasn't for him Jesus I really Christ. love I can't remember where I read it but, but they, they put that quote in yeah which you know God we've come so far so f- remember when it was such a big like it was so much media and cultural hand-wringing uh-huh. hand-wringing over the Ken Starr investigation and what uh what the media could and couldn't say and how right. conservatives were losing their yeah. over the fact that oh my God Bill Clinton has introduced <laughs> into the lexicon now i have to educate my child about what that means yep now look how far we've come oh yeah you know but i was reading some some article that quoted him directly and they put after head they wrote they put in parentheses uh something to the effect of you know a a term for for oral sex performed on a man yeah yeah that's right in the blaze it says using a euphemism for male oral sex that's it thank you (laughs) you know what i'm sorry the blaze would have to do that of course right the blaze is read by guys who haven't gotten and fucking forever. <laughs> and then on uh, the Joe Rogan podcast in 2015, he discussed uh, his sexual relationship again with Father Michael. Um, he said during the interview, he tried to. He even tried to normalize pedophilia. He said, "Quote: 
So you're saying you've never seen a 15-year-old girl at any point in your life that you thought was hot, Yiannopoulos asked. Yeah, and then Rogan replied, yeah, when I was 15. I'm not retarded, dude. It's such a Rogan quote. It is. It's and so, then, exactly. You got to love Rogan. And they, I know. And I say that. I say that like, no, not always. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've always liked Rogan. Rogan gave me my first uh, animation gig in uh, 1999. He hired me to do a monkey cartoon for his website. So I, I know Joe. Uh, so he yeah. said. Oh, I mean, I do. I do like him. I don't like everything he says, but, you know, I respect. Yeah, him. I don't either. But uh, I do respect him. Uh, Yiannopoulos then said, no, when you're 25 or 30, you've never seen girls you thought were hot. And then Rogan said, no, I thought they were little kids. <laughs> Later, Rogan called Father Michael a terrible person for allegedly having a sexual relationship with Yiannopoulos and, and when that's he was a younger that's teenager. Important, by the way, yeah. that's important. Just I don't mean to interrupt, but that's important. By the way, yeah. the alleged thing because right. the Father Michael thing—it's Milo. The whole story could be bullshit. It could be made up. Yes, in fact, it's very likely made up. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, the point of all of this is, God damn it. And maybe this is something that we better reserve for after the break. I'm going to get into the, the rest of this, the rest of the story, after we talk about uh, Blue Apron. <laughs> Got to take a break for some unbelievable food. I have been eating Blue Apron, preparing Blue Apron meals for a couple of weeks now. Just love everything about it. Love everything about it. I just, I had the, uh, the udon noodle soup with miso and soft-boiled eggs on Unbelievable! You've got to try these meals. Blue Apron is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. Its mission is to make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone. Blue Apron achieves this by supporting a more sustainable food system, setting the highest standards for ingredients, and building a community of home chefs. Here's how it works. And all you got to do, you sign up at Blue Apron, and they send you pre-portioned meals to your doorstep. With the step-by-step instructions, everything is measured out so you don't have to do any complicated math with your food. You put together these meals, and they are amazing. They're, I mean, take it from me. They are idiot-proof. I swear to God. Choose from a variety of new recipes each week or let Blue Apron's culinary team surprise you. Recipes are not repeated within a year, so you'll never, ever get bored. And that's, by the way, for just uh, less than $10 per person per meal. Customize your recipes each week based on your preferences. Blue Apron has several delivery options, so you can choose what fits your needs. And there's no weekly commitment, so you only get deliveries when you want them. Each meal comes with a step-by-step, easy-to-follow recipe card and pre-portioned ingredients that can be prepared in 40 minutes or less. Check out this week's menu and get your first three meals for free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Chez. Says who? I do. Blueapron.com slash Chez. You'll love how good it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron, so don't wait. That's blueapron.com slash Chez Blue Apron, a better way to cook. The Bob and Chez Show, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Welcome back. Thanks for joining us on our Tuesday show. Really, really appreciate it. Okay, so here's the thing. It's not just Milo who said creepy sexual things about underage children. I guess that that's a redundancy against underage people, against kids. Yeah. Trump's gone there a few times. Of course, the uh, 
the Miss Teen USA thing has been somewhat debunked as far as him walking into the uh, dressing rooms of, uh, of beauty pageants, which he's done. With, certainly, it's been proved with adult and alleged with adults. It's also been alleged with the Miss Teen pageants, but he hasn't actually confessed to doing it with the Miss Teen pageants. He's just confessed to doing it with the other beauty pageants where he walks in just to catch them naked. So he's like going in and perving out on women. And according to some of the allegations, also the Miss Teen USA thing. But he hasn't actually confessed to doing that, which would be especially creepy. Um, he's also talked about, you know, actually said to children, this is Donald Trump, the president of the United States, said to children, hey, you're like a, to a 10-year-old girl, I'm going to be dating you soon. He just he said to a 14-year-old girl, wow, just think in a couple of years, I'll be dating you. In a couple of years, that would have put her at uh, 16 years old. He was also recorded uh, saying to a 10-year-old girl during a 1992 taping of Entertainment Tonight, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll be dating you in a couple of years. Uh, just disgusting. Just disgust that he would actually ogle underage girls. It's just so bizarre that this is acceptable. That yeah. this is acceptable. He, he talked about how he wanted to have... Uh, he fantasized about having sex with underage Lindsay Lohan when she was still under the age of 18. Uh, and he said that's partly because she was, quote unquote, deeply troubled. Yeah. And, and they're always the best in bed, according to Trump. <laughs> Jesus, God. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, this is this is a, I think what we're, we're, we're witnessing now is something really interesting. Yeah, because <clears throat> you know how the Republicans love love to talk about how the Democrats are the party of the Ku Klux Klan oh, and yeah. they're the party of Lincoln. Mm -hmm. uh, we all know that the parties were reversed back then. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think things are, I think that things are reversing again. I really do. Because all of a sudden it's like the New York Daily News has a, uh, has an op-ed today where they talk about how like the Republicans are now, you know, you got Trump and Milo and they're the party of perverts. Yeah, they are. You know, for lack of a better term. I'm not a fan of that term, but you know, uh. and and it's true. It's like when the hell the you know they're the party of the, they're the party that's pro Russia, yeah. pro authoritarianism, pro will will run your life for you. It's not freedom. F that, um, you know, uh, pro uh, uh, molesting children. I mean, you know, pro sexual libertinism. Yeah. Um, which, by the way, not like not sexual libertinism because the difference between being libertine and being a, a raging. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the difference is, though, that it's it's really the Trump faction of the Republican Party. I think what we're continuing to see here is the ongoing split in the conservative movement between the Trumpers and the traditional conservatives, which is so weird that they they would choose Milo to come in and speak at, at CPAC, because I always thought CPAC was more of the traditional conservatives and not necessarily the the alt right. But it seems it like is. they're yeah, I mean, it seems like they're going after that alt right vote because I guess they need it. I get, it's the same thing as what happened with the Tea Party. They really empowered the Tea Party uh, a few years ago. So uh, we're seeing it all over again. But, I mean, again, I think ultimately it's issues like this that's going to divide the conservative movement. And while I don't see necessarily a, a major shift in ideology between the parties at all, there is a shift on on certain things that the Trump, or the, the Trump people, the Trump faction will allow and which the conservative movement will never allow. And so that's going to come down. I mean, just the fact that because Trump won the election doesn't mitigate this rift in the Republican Party. It's only right. exacerbating everything. No, I agree. I agree with that. And we're going to see people, uh, whether it's the 25th Amendment or something uh, that, that precedes that, 
where the conservatives in Congress, the traditional conservatives, the traditional Republicans are going to have to go to the president of the United States and say, listen, you need to step down or else we're going to make life very difficult for you. Right. And that is going to be step one. I mean, right now they're, they're actually at preliminary steps. Okay, let's see where he goes with this. Let's, let's put out some feelers in terms of opposing Trump. Let's get uh, uh, Lindsey Graham and John McCain out there to talk about how Russia's bad. And he, God, even Marco Rubio, after this, uh, this briefing in the Senate Intelligence Committee, you, I mean, Marco Rubio, for God's sake, is like, we have to start investigations now. So they're already starting to line up. And it's just a matter of time, I think, before they eventually go to him. And, and again, it's all going to be dependent on the polls. Before they go to him and say, Mr. President, this is untenable. You have to step down. We have to have Mike Pence step in. Um, otherwise, we're just going to make your life miserable. I mean, that's all, that's always got to be the subtext because otherwise, Donald Trump will just say, "No, of course not. I'm not. Gonna, what do you think? Are you crazy? I'm not going to step down. I spent I spent a fortune getting here, and and two years of my life. I'm 70 years old, almost 71 years old. Stepping down is just out of the question. So then, at that point, that's when they start to entertain things like the 25th Amendment, Section Four. And they start to contemplate the idea of actually removing him from office prior to any sort of impeachment hearings, which I seriously still doubt. Until the Democrats take uh, Congress back, there will be no impeachment. And removing Donald Trump from office with impeachment simply can't happen the way things are lined up right now. I mean, he would have to do something so egregious to turn... I mean, the, the whole Russia thing would have to just completely explode. There would have to be audio recordings, I mean, just incontrovertible evidence for the Republicans to say, this guy, this guy shouldn't be president. We, right. we need to get rid of him. And already um, we're starting to see his own people, his own top-level people contradicting him. Mike Pence, Mad Dog Mattis, they're all going around saying, um, what the president said there about NATO and about taking the oil and about the European Union, yeah, never mind. <laughs> he didn't really didn't really mean that. What we're believe what we're saying. I mean, it was an amazing scene uh, in Brussels. Did you see this audio? Did you hear this audio? Mike Pence in Brussels taking questions from pre the press. Yeah. And they asked him point blank. One of the members of the press in Brussels asked the vice president, "Who's in charge? Is it you?" Is it Donald Trump? Here's that audio. This is Mike Pence in Brussels. Vice President, um, you've given your assurances uh, today here in Brussels to European leaders uh, that the U.S. is committed to working with Europe. President Trump has said very different things. He said that the EU is a vehicle for Germany, that the U.K. was smart to get out, and he expected other countries to follow. Who should European leaders listen to, you or President Trump? <laughs> that's amazing that's amazing yeah. and they be certain that what you say the assurances you give won't be contradicted in a tweet or a statement at a press conference tomorrow and then of course mike pence replied mm. <laughs> yeah, <exactly>. mm. <laughs> vice president pence mm. weighing in it's just sage-like mm. everything he says Okay. All right. That's enough. Here's what uh, Mike Pence actually said in response to that question. Let me say it was my great privilege to serve as vice president for the 45th president of the United States. And the president directed me to go to Munich and to come here to Brussels with a very specific message. To go to Munich, to, to the Munich Security Conference and make it very clear. As I do so again today here at NATO's headquarters that the United States uh, is expressing strong support 
uh, for NATO, even as, even as we challenge uh, NATO and challenge our allies uh, to evolve to the new and widening challenges and further meet their responsibilities. Okay, so there's a couple of questions I have coming out of this. And again, uh, Mattis is doing the same thing. He just said, we have no interest in taking the oil. We're not here to take the oil in Iraq. We're not going to do it. So the question is whether or not this is part of Trump's strategy, which I doubt. Like, I don't... Trump has no strategy. So the answer to that is immediately no. Yeah, so what Mike Pence said there, he's not acting on behalf of Donald Trump. He's just, he's cleaning up the mess because Mike Pence understands, you know, international relations, things like that. The, uh, the hair trigger balance of Eastern Europe, things like, you know, things like that. The insurgency in Iraq. These are things that are important to people who actually read, who actually know things. And Donald Trump knows nothing. Donald Trump doesn't know what the hell's going on other than what he sees on Fox News Channel. So clearly what we've got going on in the executive branch of the United States federal government is a president who is just spouting off gibberish that he hears on Fox News Channel and evidently the Tucker Carlson show. Like the executive branch moves on the word of Tucker Carlson now, which which is the whole Sweden thing. Um and then we, so we have that, and then we have Mike Pence, General Mattis, all going around f- repairing the damage. There was an editorial cartoon I saw. I scrolled through on uh, on Facebook yesterday, showing uh, Mike Pence changing uh, Donald Trump's poopy diaper, and there's just everywhere. Awesome, awesome, awesome cartoon. And so, and that's kind of what is going on. And I'm wondering. Again, I, I seriously doubt, but I mean, we have to ask whether or not this is part of the strategy or this is just, oh, God, we're just cleaning up the map. And of course, you know me, but my thought is it's definitely the latter, that it's yeah. just like, it's just triage constantly. Like, oh, God, it's like a plate spinning act. Yeah, no, that's that's I, that's it exactly. And triage is a good word. Yeah. So we've got, uh, <laughs> we've got these... Uh, 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 Donald Trump uh, surrogates going around, whether it's the vice president or whether it's the secretary of defense saying, don't worry, we're going to protect you from Donald Trump. We're going to protect you from the president. He's not going to screw around with NATO. He's not going to screw around with the... Don't worry about what he says on Twitter. <laughs> Just listen to what we're saying to you. That's all that matters. So meanwhile, just speaking of presidential uh, uh, tradition, presidential law, so forth, uh, you know, executive power, Trump keeps deleting his tweets. And this is kind of he's done it a couple of times. Yesterday he did it. And it was uh, I would say it's starting to get a little pardon my use of this term, but a little problematic. Uh, Yesterday he tweeted something about how uh, he was going to be meeting with the generals in Mar-a-Lago, Florida. He actually okay. said, he actually said Mar-a-Lago, Florida, as opposed wow. to, you know, Mar-a-Lago, Alaska. But he's, and then he said, very interesting. That was the extent of the tweet. So I'm going to be meeting with the generals in Mar-a-Lago in Florida. Very interesting. And then that tweet, there wasn't any, there weren't any typos or things like that. It was just that statement and it's gone. It's been deleted, which is so strange. I mean, he's tr- like deleted things before. Like, remember when he misspelled honored with an oh, E? Oh, I remember, yeah. H-O-N-E-R-E-D. Yep. Um, and, th- and that tweet was, was like deleted. His, that was like his first tweet as, uh, as president. Yes. His very first tweet. <laughs> and it was misspelled. Yep. Uh, just like he's his, an idiot. Just like his secretary of education. Uh, but there's something called the Presidential Records Act. 
I want to talk about the Presidential Records Act and what's required by law when it comes to the president and things like tweets. We're going to talk about that right after a a quick break back after these words. Okay, let's talk about supporting independent media. For only $1 a month, you can help finance The Bob and Chez Show at patreon.com slash bobandchez. That's 12 cents per show. Go now to patreon.com slash bobandchez. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash bobandchez and sign up for $1 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month, or $15 a month, or whatever you can afford. If you sign up for $5 or more, you'll get special Patreon-only shows like our post-mortem wrap-up show, the Not Safe for Work after-party show, and commercial-free, unbleeped versions of the free Tuesday and Thursday shows. Most of all, you'll be supporting a totally independent podcast not affiliated with corporate media. And if we reach our $7,500 per month goal, we'll bring you new shows five days a week, Mondays through Fridays. That's patreon.com slash Bob and Chez, or click the Patreon link at bobseska.com. Let's do this thing. Shove Bob and Chez into your pants and haul them around with you wherever you go. Says who? Subscribe to the Bob and Chez Show in the podcast section on iTunes. I keep playing this sound. Says who? Because Michael Cohen is in the news. And I, I, I promise you we're going to talk about Michael Cohen and the, the Russia story here coming up. Uh, but first, the second half of today's show is brought to you by the BobSuska.com Amazon link. If you shop at Amazon, enter the site using our link just beneath the logo at BobSuska.com. And we get a small commission from everything you buy. It costs you nothing and helps support the show. Go shopping right now. Make sure to bookmark it. And if you happen to have a small business, make sure you source all of your materials through our Amazon link. Thank you for doing that in advance. Okay, so. Presidential Records Act of 1978 is in response to Watergate. It was one of the many uh, uh, post-Watergate pieces of legislation to make uh, the presidency more transparent. And what the Presidential Records Act requires is that the president and his staff, or her staff, as the future case may be, uh, retain all of uh, what are referred to as documentary materials. Right. That includes uh, books, correspondence, memoranda. I'm reading from the bill here itself. Books, correspondence, memoranda, documents, papers, pamphlets, works of art, models, pictures, photographs, plats, maps, films, and motion pictures, including but not limited to audio and visual records or other electronic or mechanical recordations, whether in analog, digital, or any other form. I, I could, I'm not a lawyer, but I assume the electronic or mechanical recordations would include tweets. Sure. The president keeps deleting his tweets. Which is against the law, yeah. another law that the Donald Unless Trump someone is keeping a record of them, which I I don't know. Well, I I think in I mean, an official capacity, are they doing that? I don't know. I mean, is is Twitter suddenly in charge of presidential records? I, I guess it there is. There you go. I guess I don't know if the, I don't know what the the poop is on uh, Twitter retaining deleted tweets, but uh, some people have said I've heard. You know, people have told me <laughs> that Twitter. <laughs> God, sometimes it just seeps into your brain, doesn't it? Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm hearing, <laughs> every time I say that now, I'm thinking of Trump. I, from what I saw on Twitter, that also sounds like Trump. What I saw on Fox News Channel, wait a minute. No, uh, from what I've seen, that Twitter actually retains copies of deleted tweets. So somewhere in right. their archives, there's deleted tweets. Great. So a private company having nothing at all to do with the United States government. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. I think that Twitter would have to make available to the Library of Congress all of Donald Trump's tweets, which would then be accessible through the Freedom of Information Act or some other form uh, afterwards. 
But the bottom line is the president has to retain all of these things, all of these messages uh, on Twitter, emails, Facebook posts, etc. And to delete them is a violation of the law. And so we can add that to a growing list of uh, examples of lawlessness from the Trump White House. Speaking of lawlessness, let's get into uh, (laughs) Donald Trump and his lawyer, Michael Cohen. Says who? Yep, I do. You might, yeah, of course you remember Michael Cohen. We've talked about this before. This was Michael Cohen. His his one great moment on television. Yes, this was uh, just a... Brianna Keeler. Just a recap. Michael Cohen with Brianna Keeler on CNN. All right, well, let me ask you about this. So you say you say it's not a shakeup, but you guys are down. And it makes Says sense who? that there would <laughs> Says who? most of them, all of them. Says who? Polls. I just told you I answered your question. All right. That's Michael Cohen. Yeah. And that, so that fucking idiot. New York Times broke this massive story over the weekend and it's really wonky, and it does. It's not really getting the traction that I thought it would uh, outside of you know sort of DC circle. So the media, DC media, is really playing this up, and and that's a, absolutely a, a positive thing because it's a huge story. It's a massive story, and I'm going to try to summarize it in in the most uh, uh, succinct way possible because it's really complicated. But there is this guy named Felix Sater who's a longtime Trump associate who actually has his office in Trump Tower. Yeah, and he's dirty as hell. Dirty as hell. Was once convicted for shooting a guy. What was it? No, was it stabbing a guy in the face? I I mean, he stabbed a guy in the face. Who stabs people in the face? Nevertheless, he's connected to the mafia. He's also connected to Russian oligarchs. Yeah, he is a Russian, by the way. I don't know whether he's Russian Russian national or of Russian descent. Yes, yeah. Yeah. And so Sater uh, is also Donald Trump's connection to, he's he's Donald Trump's money man. That's right, Felix Sater, money man. (laughs) Uh, And he's the guy who brought in, allegedly, gigantic piles of Russian money for Donald Trump to use after his bankruptcies. So you have Donald Trump after a a spate of failures, a spate of bankruptcies, unable to get uh, any sort of investment capital, any sort of loans for his stupid f***ing projects. In walks Sater with a a dossier of of Russian oligarchs who are willing to just hand over piles of cash to Donald Trump. So fast forward to the transition when Sater... And Michael Cohen, who of the says who guy, the says who, says who? that guy, uh, evidently prepared a peace plan with this other Russian for Ukraine. And this peace plan very heavily favors Vladimir Putin and Russia, which is very bad for Ukrainian sovereignty. So, of course, because we have obviously we have uh, Putin operatives inside Ukraine occupying Ukraine. Um, this would be very good for those operatives. It would be very good for Putin. So this is a big advantage for Vladimir Putin. No, duh. Of course, right. this yeah. is this plan is good for Vladimir Putin and being and prepared by Trump's people. And then this plan was presented to allegedly presented to Mike Flynn. And so that's that's basically the story as it is. And Michael Cohen. <laughs> keeps changing his story 
Be- I don't know because this is the way Trump people operate. Right. They confirm to one organization. They deny to someone else. Um, it's it's really staggering. Um, Natasha Bertrand has been doing some ongoing reporting on this guy, on Michael Cohen, for a long time in Business Insider. Um, and she wrote in an interview with The Post, with The Washington Post, Cohen corroborated The Times reporting that he had met with Sater and Artemenko, that's the other Russian, in a hotel right. lobby on Park Avenue in Manhattan in late January to discuss the proposal. This is the peace plan for Ukraine that heavily, that is really a screwing over of Ukraine. He said that the meeting lasted less than 15 minutes and that he had, a, that he had left with the plan in hand. However, he emphatically denied discussing this topic or delivering any documents to the White House or to General Flynn, adding that he told Artemenko that he could send the proposal to Flynn by writing him at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue, the Post reported. Cohen then shifted his story again on Monday, telling Business Insider in a series of text messages that he denies even knowing what the plan is. So again, it's... Says who? That. It's that again. Exactly. Says who? I told you, I told you that... That, you know, we joked about it. We all laughed at it. Yep. But that is those two words. That That's basically the motto of the entire Trump administration. Absolutely. Says who? Right there. <laughs> he denied knowing what the plan is. But he said in a later message that he met with Artemenko in New York for, quote unquote, under 10 minutes to discuss a proposal that Artemenko said, quote, was acknowledged by Russian authorities that would create world peace. Quote, my response was. Who doesn't want world peace, Cohen said. One of the Times reporters who broke the peace plan story, Scott Shane, pointed Business Insider to a statement the newspaper's deputy managing editor gave on Sunday. Quote, Mr. Cohen told the Times, in no uncertain terms, that he delivered the Ukraine proposal to Michael Flynn's office at the White House. Mr. Sater told the Times that Mr. Cohen had told him the same thing. Cohen then appeared to alter his story again, telling NBC News that even if he had taken an envelope with a peace plan to the White House, here it is, Michael Cohen said, so what? What's wrong with that? Says who? it is. <laughs> That's it. He yeah. basically said, says who again for the third time now. Yep. There's, and, there's, and if you read Josh Marshall <laughs> over at uh, over at Talking Point, yes, Campbell, he he's made, doing great reporting on this. He made a really good point where he said that the the fact that Felix Sater, who's a guy who Trump was supposed to have cut out of his orbit quite a while ago, yeah. the fact that he's still there says a lot about Trump's connections to Russia. Oh, absolutely. This is this stinks to high heaven. This is basically another twisted, screwy prong of this entire Russia story. And again, now we've got. We've got Sater. We've got Michael Cohen. We've got this other guy, Artemenko. But I mean, at least Sater and Cohen are part of Trump's sphere of hangers on and associates. So we're getting closer and closer to Trump as time goes on. We've already got Carter Page. We've already got Paul Manafort. We've already got Roger Stone. And by the way, ha, this was awesome. I had to break out this sound effect for this. <laughs> Roger Stone's YouTube channel got taken down. Not just Roger Stone's yeah. videos, but his entire YouTube channel. Yeah, and he's, and he's whining about how, you know, here it is, liberals censoring me. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I was like, God damn it, it's the free market, dude. The free market just made yep. a call on this. YouTube is a corporation. YouTube can do, oh, yeah. do whatever the hell YouTube wants to do. 
Yeah, this is this is why I wrote forever ago, and maybe it's worth bringing back at, at various points as we move further and further down this you know yellow brick road to fucking oblivion. <laughs> um, you know, I, I wrote a while back. I wrote a thing like Twitter. Twitter should ban Trump. Yeah, because tw- you know Twitter owes him nothing. Twitter is a a private organization. It can do whatever the hell it wants. Absolutely, absolutely. And so if Donald Trump violates Twitter's terms of service. They could absolutely delete his account yeah. or suspend his account, do something like that. Right. Wouldn't be surprising. I uh, wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if they someday do something like that. Depends on how unpopular he becomes and how, how much the uh, opposition to Trump reaches critical mass, which is getting very, very close to that. All right, one last break. We're going to wrap up the show right after these words. After months of intensive study with the top linguists of our time in preparation for our Mardi Gras ad, we admit our Cajun accent isn't finely honed. But that won't stop us from telling you about our awesome Mardi Gras soap. Try our Fay Dodo Fleur de Lis soap on a beaded Mardi Gras rope. It smells like pralines and cream. Or our King for a Day King Cake soap. Each cinnamony slice comes with its own baby. So, we'll let the Cajuns do what they do best, and we'll stick with what we do best. Make awesome, vegan-friendly soap. Laissez les bons temps rouler! BubbleGenius.com Bob and Chez Show with Bob Seska and Chez Pazienza, presented by BubbleGenius.com. Says who? <laughs> Buzz, Buzz says who? By the way, listen to Buzz Burbank News and Comment at the Realm Network, realmnetwork.com. He's also the official uh, voice guy of the show. Okay, uh, moving along here uh, on our Tuesday show. Thanks for supporting the show, by the way, at patreon.com slash Bob and Chez. Uh, Russia has compiled a psychological dossier on Donald Trump. Oh, dear God. <laughs> wow, that thing's got to be... Jerry Reed. Jerry Reed in, uh, in Smoking <laughs> the Band that has to back his truck up so that they can uh, <laughs> offload that, the contents of that dossier. Among its preliminary conclusions is that the new American leader is a risk taker who can be naive, according to a senior Kremlin advisor. Wow, you think? Yeah. Uh, Trump, quote, doesn't understand fully who is Mr. Putin. He is a tough guy. Former Foreign Minister Andrei Fedorov told NBC News. The file is being compiled by retired diplomats and some of Putin's staff, he added. The attempt to get inside the U.S. president's mind is aimed at a helping Putin plan for his first meeting with America's new leader, the date for which is yet to be decided. Uh, Quote, very serious preparatory work is going on in the Kremlin, including a paper, seven pages, only seven pages, are you kidding? Describing a psychological portrait of Trump, especially based on his last uh, this last two or three months and the last weeks, said Fedorov, who said he had known Trump since 2000. Wow. So maybe Trump, according to Fedorov, (laughs) Trump does have business. By the way, that Trump denial when he said that he has no business with Russia, he has had no contact with Russia. He has no business with Russia. That is basically Donald Trump's. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yep. 
That is basically the same thing. I am not a crook. That's what Donald Trump. That is going to come back to haunt him every nobody, time. Nobody has fewer has fewer connections to Russia than me. <laughs> That's exactly right. God damn it! And it's just it's going to all collapse down on his his head. By the way, I saw like, there was an interview. I think it was with uh, God. I want to say it was the BBC, and this was from uh, some time ago, and it was an interview regarding. Felix Sater, who we just talked about, who's this twisted, crooked guy who's uh, basically Donald Trump's money man. That's right, Felix Sater. And uh, I have to throw that in. Um, and in this interview, a couple of things. First of all, the interviewer asked Donald Trump about Sater, and, Sa- and, and Trump got so pissed off that he, he took off his lapel mic, he took off his lavalier mic, threw it down, and stormed off. Stormed out of the interview. The other thing was is Donald Trump had let his, for whatever reason had let his hair go fully gray, which I thought was a vast improvement. I was just observing. I was like, wow, I hope he doesn't do that again because he actually looks kind of serious with, right. <laughs> with his hair entirely gray instead of that Barney Rubble yellow, whatever the hell that color yellow he's got on the top. Uh, but anyway, so I thought that was c- kind of revealing. Um, so moving along here, by the way, Trump today... <laughs> God damn it! Visited the African African American History Museum in oh Washington D.C. And he loves he loves the blacks. He loves the blacks. Loves the blacks. And was wondering why it wasn't located in the inner city. Yep. Uh, you know, it was just he got uh, he got tickets through uh, through the uh, black reporter who asked him a question <laughs> last week because she knows everybody. Ben Carson got him uh, tickets. Got it. Set, right. set, set the whole thing up. Uh, but no, I mean, he was, uh, he delivered some remarks at the African American History Museum, which included remarks, of course, about the goddamn election and his electoral votes. <laughs> he said, I also want to thank Senator Tim Scott for joining us today. You know why? Why Tim Scott is that? Because Tim Scott's black. Oh so boy. Donald Trump's got to surround himself with his black friends. Yep. He said, I, I also want to thank Senator Tim Scott for joining us today. Friend of mine, a great, great senator from South Carolina, Trump said, adding, I like the state of South Carolina. I like all those states where I won by double, double, double digits. You know, those states, he said. <laughs> I have no I swear, idea. Dude, dude, if we, I swear to you, I'm, <laughs> I'm Kreskin. If we get hit by an earthquake, yeah. Trump will not bail us out. Oh, Trump will not send federal, or he will make a big stink about why should he send federal funds to California. Yeah. Well, that's why I'm hoping that guys like McMaster, uh, Mattis, even Pence, for that matter, will still be making the adult decisions inside the White House. Oh, I'm hoping that McMaster uh, and and Mattis have basically have convened the sort of, you know, the shadow government, the whatever the hell it is, the, the deep state bullshit. That that actually does exist and that both of them have given somebody somewhere orders to, you know, do what needs to be done should it come to it. Yeah. And you know what's kind of creepy about the whole Pence, Mattis, Trump kind of triumvirate there is it's starting to look a little bit like the separation between Putin and someone like Medvedev, who's the actual prime minister. I mean, Russia still has a prime minister who's not Trump. Right. I mean, who's not? I keep. I, you know what? Trump, yeah. I'm doing that. I know, in, I know what you're saying. I'm doing that in my private life too. By the way, I'm calling Nixon Trump and I'm calling Putin Trump on a regular basis. And please don't, please don't tell me you call out Trump in bed because that would be some <laughs> creepy shit. I call out Kellyanne Conway in bed is what I typically Ooh, do. Good lord. Um, what happens is is this seems like 
this seems like the, the Russia setup is developing here, where you've got Donald Trump as sort of the Putin character, and then you have a prime minister in Mike Pence, or General Mattis, for that matter, but most likely Mike Pence, who's now going around the world as a kind of prime minister. As I mean, what Mike Pence delivered, that those remarks in Brussels... Typically, that'd be done by the Secretary of State. That would be like a Rex Tillerson thing. I mean, I could see John Kerry having done that, Condoleezza Rice during the Bush years, delivering those kind of remarks, basically as an emissary to um, the reasonable rest of the world. And I'm wondering if that is, is going to further congeal. That sort of thing where Donald Trump, remember, we were talking about Donald Trump and his plan for how he was going to run the White House or how his kids. I think the, the, the rumor was that yeah. um, that that whoever the vice president was or the, or Uday and Kuse, I forget which iteration that was. But at one point, they were talking about it in terms of the vice president, like the vice president's going to run the country and Donald Trump's going to go out and make America great again. So he's basically going to go around as sort of the pitch man for the United States. He's going to make people, you know, the the alt-right is going to make his base feel really good by saying crazy that they hear on Fox News Channel. And then meanwhile, Mike Pence is going to do the serious work of being president. But how long until they eliminate this dead weight at the top and say, listen, no more of this crazy crap. We can't keep up with it. We can't continue to defend it back in our home districts. We've got uh, two, you know, 2018 is looming large in the window. We need to uh, start planning based on that. And we can't have this erratic maniac saying crazy things uh, multiple times a day that most of us can't even keep up with anymore um, before they start to say, maybe it's time. Right. Maybe it's time. And, and, and really, I think from a national sanity point of view, it really is something that needs to happen. I cannot foresee this happening for another how many more months? 40, 47 month, more months of the. Yeah. We just I mean, get- we can't, we can't, you know. It's interesting because I, uh, I had dinner the other night with, um, with um, uh, one of the guys on my, uh, one of the, the, you know, the EP of, of the show that I've been working on. Yeah. And, you know, and he's, he's pretty, he's libertarian, smart, very, very smart guy. Um, and, and, you know, at first he kind of delighted in the idea because he has always believed that, uh, that you know, that liberals were too comfortable in terms of their belief that, you know, good would prevail in this country. And, and he said that both cynically and uh, sincerely. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, he and he said, I'm like, I really expected I haven't spoken to him since the election. I mean, since uh, since the inauguration. Um, and I really kind of expected him to kind of. Uh, be enjoying this like just laughing at like you know look at the exactly the damage i predicted and he just said he's like he's like no way he's like it was it was funny for about two seconds yeah he's like and it's just been it's just been an onslaught and we we can't take another however many like you know we can't take an entire presidency of this yeah yeah i mean this is not a job i mean i I guess there's a limited period of time you know in the during the transition in the first month uh, certainly within the first hundred days, where there is a little bit of latitude afforded to the the presidency, and and just in terms of getting used to how everything operates and what you're supposed to do, but they're supposed to have a much bigger leg up on all of that crap by now. I mean, the fact that everything is so chaotic and so disorganized, and they're sending mixed messages all the time. I mean, there's actual do- you can't say it's fake news. There's actual documentary evidence. There's video. There's audio. There are tweets. You cannot deny this crap. 
The discouraging thing is Trump's core supporters, Trump's base, they readily will say, uh, I don't I don't believe everything he says, <laughs> but I don't care because he's going to make America great again. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. Yep, that's so all that matters. Screwed, dude. So he's he's out there making America great again, and, and Mike Pence is doing there's the real work. There's a developing right. story, by the way, from Reuters that oh, uh, Homeland Security, there's something's going on with the computers at Homeland Security with employees being locked out of their computer networks. Really? So there you go. Interesting. I'm sure Trump will get right on that because he's really familiar with the cyber. That's right. All right, uh, coming up on the Postmortem Show, uh, everything we didn't get to on the free part of the show. Uh, Trump is evidently cooking the books on the economy. We're going to talk about that. Uh, The costs of traveling to Mar-a-Lago every weekend is uh, beginning to stack up. And again, always, it's the hypocrisy, stupid. Whenever we're talking about that, I know it sounds boring to say it over and over again. It's the hypocrisy, stupid. Plus, we're going to talk a little bit about the Obamacare replacement plan because the Republicans have officially wheeled it out. And uh, especially if you're a lower-income American, lower-income worker, or uh, or you're unemployed, or you have your own small business or something like that, you're, you're kind of screwed. And, and by kind of, I mean a lot. <laughs> you're a lot screwed. All right, that's coming up with the uh, Postmortem Show. That's at patreon.com slash Bob and Ches. Go and sign up. You get the Postmortem Show at $5 a month. That's all you got to do. $5 a month. $10 a month, you also get the uh, after party as well as the Postmortem Shows. $15 a month, you get all those things plus an unbleaked commercial-free version of this show. All right, that's coming up next. See you over there, folks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Says who?